Welcome, Disciple Makers, and thank you for joining us. The Georgia Baptist Mission Board Discipleship Team, led by Scott Sullivan, exists to help churches take the next step toward becoming a healthy, disciple-making church. We've developed tools to help you, like the Watershed Principle, which identifies six main ministries needed to be a healthy church. The Spark Conference, a total church strengthening event that allows you to access keynotes and breakouts all year long for ongoing training in your ministry area. This year's conference features keynote speakers Fred Luter, Michael Catt, Todd Bolsinger, and Robbie Gallaty, as well as online and in-person regional events. Learn more at www.thesparkconference.com. We also have learning communities across Georgia to sharpen, encourage, and resource leaders personally and professionally. Find a community near you at gabaptist.org discipleship. Don't forget you can find our previous episodes on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and your favorite podcast platform. Now let's join today's broadcast or podcast. Welcome to Georgia Baptist Discipleship, where we run and jump, but we don't play. We are serious about helping you become a healthy disciple-making leader. And today I'm super excited. And I tell you, this may end up going down as one of my favorite so far broadcasts because I've got one of my closest friends, one of the most prolific leaders that I've ever known in Dr. Gavin Spinney. He has pastored First Baptist Halton since 2002. Dr. Spinney is unique in that he was saved there at First Halton in 91, called to preach there, ordained in 97, married his bride in 2000, came back to serve as student pastor 2001, took over senior pastor 2002, and the church is a healthy, growing example of long-term leadership and tenure. Gavin has served as the Louisiana Baptist Convention president, board of trustees there at NAM, has an earned doctorate, also an honorary doctorate for his work in guiding Louisiana Baptists to respond and rebuild during Hurricane Katrina. And a fun fact about Gavin Spinney is he's a co-host of an online show that is called The Way It Was Hunting Show on the Sportsman Channel. And we'll talk a little bit more about that later in the broadcast where he gets to hunt with legends like Hank Parker and do all sorts of fun things that are in his uh, wheelhouse and passions. Now, I want to say a thank you to our listeners and uh, because you guys have downloaded content from our site over 150,000 times this past year, and we are humbled that you would trust us to engage consistently like that. I also want to remind our audience that our discipleship team has a collection of resources we want to give away, so make sure that you leave a comment and you'll get entered into that drawing. And if you share today's link, you just may get an invite to spend a day with Gavin and I viewing an old Texas West Texas jail that time has forgotten and that rattlesnakes still clearly inhabit. Gavin Spinney, how you doing, buddy? Man, I'm doing great, sweet. How are you? <laughs> I'm doing well. You heard, <laughs> you, you saw what I did there, right? Doing the West Texas I uh, jail. I did. I did. Yeah. I don't, I remember you almost losing your life it to is, a rattlesnake in that. It is jail. literally the closest I've ever come to dying. <laughs> so maybe that'll be a story for it another was, day. Almost getting bit. That's right. Neck by a rattlesnake and a hundred yeah. miles from yeah. the nearest hospital. Yeah, but, it was fun. Yep, good days, good <laughs> memories uh, with Gus and all sorts of things, and uh, <laughs> there in West Texas. <laughs> so I want to jump into yeah. our discussion, Gavin, with a speed round, so our listeners mm -hmm. get to know you a little bit. 
So let's All start right. out with here. Best book that you have read lately? Uh, this summer just read um, The Tale of Three Kings. Mm. It's an older book by Gene Edwards. Um, got some of our folks reading it. I'm preaching through David. It's so powerful. Really, really wow. good leadership book. Awesome. A hero yeah. of yours that you want to visit in heaven one day other than family? Payne Stewart, the, the golfer, Payne Stewart. Um, awesome. Love Jesus, awesome golfer. I was a golfer growing up and uh, just really, really liked him. He dressed eccentrically. He uh, had just a smooth swing and uh, died really young, tragically. Would just, I'd love to sit down and, and visit with him. Yeah. Awesome. One animal that you yeah. like to harvest, but is still on your bucket list. Uh, I want to kill a moose with my bow. Mm. Um, Reach. I, I killed an elk, I, you know, bear, um, deer, um, all of that. Never killed a moose. Would love to go um, and, uh, and kill a moose. I heard they're really not that hard to hunt, but. Um, I, that's, that's it. I'd, I'd have to raise the ceiling in here to put it <laughs> yeah. on my wall, but, yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's it. Yeah. Yeah. I was hoping you weren't going to say a white tailed deer because we're just not going to believe uh, it. It's like all across <laughs> the top of your head. All right. So yeah, if you had a do over in life, what would it be? You know, I've been in ministry for uh, 26, seven years, um, pastor in my home church. I would say I'd love to do over the first five years of pastoring. Um, I was, I don't know, just a little arrogant and, and smart aleck. And, uh, when you stay somewhere 20 years, you realize the people that you talk to and were ugly <laughs> to, you're doing life with for two decades. And, uh, they kind of mess with me about some of that. So that would, that'd probably be the, be the one thing. Yeah. Ministry wise, just realizing spending all your life with, uh, with people and, and mm. loving them and, uh, knowing we got to move somewhere and my deal is I want to do it yesterday and, and yep. uh, wasn't always the kindest probably. Yep. All right. Last one on our lightning round. Strangest thing you've ever attempted, excluding the time you took a badger when it was clearly my turn. Oh, that, that really wasn't all that sketchy. I, I mean, <laughs> oh. was, you're just slow on the draw. Oh my um, gosh. Here we go. I can show you the badger. I've got it mounted back here in my study. So um, man, I don't know. Strangest thing I've ever attempted. Um, that you can mention that'll go down in the yeah, annals of history and not get you fired. Yeah. 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 I, I mean, I, I can think ministry wise, um, we did some stuff in China that was really, really cool, um, that I can't talk about, you know, it's top secret. I have to kill you if I told you. Absolutely. And then, um, and then hunting wise, you know, it's just neat. We used to do some long shots with our bows. That was cool. I shot a there at 84 yards one time with my bow. That was pretty cool. And, um, I didn't attempt that. I never found it, but I did, I did hit it. But, um, but anyway, yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't know. I'm, yeah. I'm struggling with that one. That's good. All right. So Gavin, so we've talked, man, I remember you and I sitting around lunch tables, many days talking about these days or during those 16 yeah. years, you and I were yeah. together, um, as being special and that, um, Perhaps we'd look back as these were the good old days, and we were able to implement a disciple-making yeah. strategy there, shift 130-plus-year-old traditional church to become one that <clears throat> has been described by other leaders as one of the healthiest churches in all of Louisiana. So mm. let me start with this question. What principles did you learn, ideas that you could share while implementing a disciple-making strategy effectively in an older 
established church? Yeah, man, for us, First Baptist Halton, uh, back in the day when both of us, I started pastoring the same Sunday you started as student pastor and kind of picking up um, what I had messed up in the student ministry. And, and uh, you know, we, we were in a church that at that time had, had been declining and, um, and kind of really self-absorbed, kind of navel-gazing type group, loved Jesus, but really didn't have a whole lot of vision. And, and um, you know, we, we, we became very evangelistic. Everything that we did, we talked about it. Let's win people, win people, win people. And we did. And, and we, um, God just allowed us to do that. And then one of the things we dealt with was how are we going to disciple these people we're winning so that they go out and, and become disciple makers too. And, and I guess one of the things that was a, a struggle for us is, is, is turning that ship. It took some time, mm-hmm. you know, when, with an established church and, and with all of the processes that go on with established church, it just, it took time. We were young, both of us, we both had hair. Um, and so some of that was early on and just the trust, trust in us as leaders, um, dealing with, we were, we were discipling people that many of them were a decade step, definitely stages of life ahead of us yeah. and, um, and leading them, um, to do that. It was just kind of take two steps forward, one step back type thing. And, um, it just took some time to steer, to steer the ship and get it in the right direction. Um, I know that kind of walking through our, um, um, process and doing that, it, it, um, our going through our doctorate really, really helped us walking mm-hmm. through that program. Um, getting our people uh, focused in on the process uh, was something that, that helped us too. So. Yeah, for sure. And uh, just so folks, just give you a little background <clears throat> there at first talking when given, and I got there, I guess we we're running uh, as a general statement about 225, 250, somewhere yeah. in that, that yeah. range grew really fast. I guess in the first five years, probably averaging around 650 to 700. And then the next yeah. five years, we still brought in about 170 people a year, but we didn't grow. We were still running about 700 people. That's when, as Gibbon mentioned, we went back, got our doctorate, <clears throat> implemented a disciple-making strategy. Um, what's interesting to me, Gavin, is that we we didn't bring in any more people. We were still averaging. When I look at the numbers, we still averaged about yeah. 170 people joining the church every year. But once yeah. we implemented the strategy, we grew from 700 to 1,000, 1,100, yeah. um, just because the connection rate went through yeah. the roof, you know, just a, a special time in the life of the church. A couple of things that I mentioned that I learned uh, really, and some of these watching you, Gavin, my capacity to lead people was based on my commitment to grow personally. And that mm-hmm. happened in, in the, uh, the doctoral process. Like example, I, I didn't really mm-hmm. like to read until we got into yeah. the doctoral work. And man, I am, my, my wife will tell you, I'm reading a book a week. Like I just can't get yeah. enough. I'm just absorbing that. Um, the second one that I had to learn, it might be a do-over for me, if somebody were to ask me that question, is don't be the hero, but be the hero maker. You know, I'm mm. the I'm probably the most selfish person that I know. So mm. I, I I tend to gravitate to the being the hero. Well, I had yeah. to learn that um, and Levi Skipper, my supervisor now, <clears throat> even said this. He said, When others win, we win. And that yeah. was something I had to learn in the process as a quipper. It's really about building other people and not our, our personal platform. And there's one more I've mentioned here um, that I learned from you. It's harder for people to be mad at you when they like you. 
I remember watching you in this process and it was hard. We had, we had tough days, man, changing the name from yeah. Sunday school to life group and all that. Oh, they still talk about you. <laughs> yeah, no, I but... blame that on you every time I can. I know, like, I know. Sunday school. And I'm like, no, it's life group. You can be <laughs> mad at Scott. He's in Georgia. It doesn't matter. But... Uh, no, but I remember in this process, I remember watching you go to lunch with people that you didn't even, let's be honest. There were some of them you didn't even like, but you would yeah, go to lunch right. with them and you were sharing visions yeah. and you would, you were set aside coffee times to go sit down, drink yeah. a cup of coffee and just grin and endure it. But you were loving yeah. them enough. And they got to a point where, man, they just, they loved you. And it was hard for them to be mad at us when they liked us. That was yeah. another one that I thought yeah. I'd mention. um, that I learned as well. And let me give you a little follow-up here. So I've okay. spoken and written about how we increased in our ability to connect with new members exponentially, yeah. you know, when we implemented the strategy, do you have any insight? Because one thing that's interesting to me is like when parents were coming, as I would lead that connection class, the new member pathway, yeah. I would always hear parents be impressed that we had a plan from birth to death. Do you have any yeah, insight yeah. of why you think new members and especially parents were so impressed and were so grateful for a cohesive overall plan? Any thoughts there? Yeah. Well, I mean, I think when all of us work together as a team, you know, whether it's, uh, you know, we have preschool children, we have folks on the team that, that represent each of those and then, then middle school and high school. And when they work together um, with one goal in mind. And we talked about this a lot in staff meetings while we were here is, you know, if I wish we had a tool to measure a person who from their salvation, their birth in Christ to, and, and track them along the way, how they're growing, how mm -hmm. are they multiplying? What are they doing? And then trying to implement that from, from the nursery to the preschool to uh, children all the way in through college, young adults, um, you know, that type of thing. And, and it really, when, when we got that and put it all together, that probably helped more than anything. But, you know, the, the thing to key for us, Scott, and, and you and I know this, we've talked about a hundred times, the, the deal with the connection class, the new member uh, class, it closed the, the back door for us. Mm. And um, we are, we had a lot of people coming through the front door, you know, as far as our community was growing um, halting this side of Bossier Parish, where we are in Louisiana, uh, one of the fastest growing uh, areas. And so to grow wasn't the biggest issue. And we have horrible location. I mean, some of y'all yeah. listening to you, you got way better location than we do. I mean, you have to be looking for us uh, to find First Baptist Halton. And we decided when we built some buildings here that we we're going to plant, we we're going to continue the plant that was started in 1885 in the heart of Halton. And we invested in the property here and and grew it, but we knew we'd have to be creative to get people here. So the community grew, folks came through the front door, tons of folks, I don't you know, 1700 in 10 years, something like that. And, uh, but they were going out the back door, they weren't connecting yeah. and uh, getting that discipleship model from, from the, the youngest uh, to the oldest um, helped close that back door, um, getting people plugged into life groups, small groups, journey groups, all of those things that were implemented in the strategy really helped people stay connected and get sticky. That was one of those books we read yep. too. Um, being having sticky, uh, sticky church, you know, and getting yep. people stuck in places where they serve and they use their gift. It doesn't matter what size church it is um, it, or ministry. It doesn't matter if you can get people bought in using their gift, plugged into a small group with 2 a.m. friends. That's what mm -hmm. we, we talked about all the time here. You get them with somebody that's a 2 a.m. friend. And uh, they're more likely to stick and stay 
and serve um, in the ministry. And so that that's been the, the big key for us, um, getting a strategy that, that works all the way through the lifespan um, and then getting them a place to serve and connect in a small group. So yeah. anyway. And Gavin, we've given that connection class booklet out to about 250 churches throughout the South now, just helping them create maybe a similar uh, pipeline. Now, I will say this. I know Jeff has taken that and has created a kind of a 2.0 of that. And I haven't read all the content in it, but my gosh, I got to tell you, the look of the 2.0 is fabulous. So, you know, maybe there's something. uh, So folks, if you're interested in even just viewing that, if that might get help you, if you'll let us know, put it in the chats, you can message me directly. Mm-hmm. We'll get you a copy of that so you can look and see yeah. how you might could use it for your own context. Now, let me turn the page here and go to this okay. next one, because the next topic I want to sh- I want us to work through is, is really not fun. This is the hard stuff, you know, because mm-hmm. our time together wasn't always pleasant. We walked through some really dark mm-hmm. days in Halton yeah. and, um, you know, sexual predator, um, what a moment when your mom passes away, you yeah. know, a business meeting when I guess really the only one of maybe two, but only, only business meeting I can remember being hijacked, you know, in the, mm-hmm. in the meeting by yeah. people that we thought were loyal supporters. Can you share yeah. a few ideas? Because we, our team here is a ton right now of struggles in the church and a lot, I would even say yeah. most of our churches, they're dealing with big struggles some of them mean-spirited issues. Do you have any keys for leading well when trouble arises? Yeah. You know, those things that you and I went through um, as we were uh, here, just uh, just kind of struggling through it. We, um, I, I think probably the biggest thing for me is, is to pray through and respond rather than react. Mm. Um, you know, I'd, you mentioned the, the one that is kind of on our radar every time we look back in yesterday's is the, the kind of the worst day of ministry for me. I've explained it yeah. to young pastors and um, and just to kind of walk through some of that. It was just we, we had a guy here that was um, man, he was a leader. Um, he, um, he he was accused of voyeurism and, and things with a weekend blast that we had with some of our teenagers and. I mean, this guy was the chairman of our deacons, right? Voice of our choir. He was chairman of our deacons. He sang a special that Sunday. Um, I got up early to be here, preach two services, um, heading to Magnolia, Arkansas afterwards to preach a funeral. A friend of mine's mom died and um, get, um, y'all came to me and said, hey, you got to meet with the police and cameras were found at a home that our teenagers had stayed in this guy's home and and so, uh, so that ball just started rolling that afternoon. I headed to Magnolia, uh, had to get back home. There was a share service that night that you led, um, or um, had to meet with our our leadership team, um, or uh, the, the the victims' parents that were at the home that night. And um, it was a it was a long day. I, I went over to his house. He had already been arrested, and just kind of trying to minister to his family leave there, go to a house of somebody. I got a text of a man who died in our church that night. Mm-hmm. Um, go to their house, get home about 10, 15, haven't been up all day long since about 4.30 that morning. Uh, lay down about 10, 15, going over things with my wife and talking to her. And I get a text, a young couple in our church uh, lost a baby. Mm-hmm. Um, get up early the next morning on Monday, head to the hospital for their DNC, get back here to the church and all three news stations were in our parking lot. First time we've um, ever been chased so, by paparazzi. 
it was unbelievable. It was so crazy. And so navigating through that, that, you know, calling lawyer friends of mine, what do we say? Do we not say just kind of getting some wisdom and friends of mine and, and gathering together as a staff and praying and walking through it. And, and how are we going to first love the folks who are the victims and walk through that? But then also victims were this guy's family, you know, and, 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 and am I loving them? Is it communicating unlove to victims and, and just kind of walking through that whole thing. And, and, um, and then after all of that, you know, several months walking the church through forgiveness, mm. um, talking through that, even when families weren't ready, you know, and, and trying to navigate some, cause we just kind of, it was, it was just this cloud, you know, um, that was over us. And then our community, bro, our community didn't understand this guy hit the paper, a deacon at first Baptist Halton. Yep. Well, I was sitting at, um, uh, somebody's house who visited our church and they said, Hey, were you the guy who did that? Those yeah. kids? What's a deacon? Is that the same thing as a pastor? You know, the community doesn't understand some of that. And so just, uh, man, it, it just, you just pray through it and you ask God for wisdom and you walk in that. And, uh, and, and I just realized in that to, to be patient and, and respond rather than react, you know, and mm. um, walking through those difficult days. So I'll tell you, it brought us as a family closer together. I remember that Wednesday night, we just read, you know, we read the Bible, we prayed together. Um, and I think our people would say, as we walk through that difficult, dark time with them, that, um, that we were very sensitive and, uh, to the Holy Spirit's leadership and just walking through. There's not a book I learned yeah. in cemetery or cemetery, uh, <laughs> oh, cemetery um, to, uh, to, to navigate through those things. And so yes. anyway, you just trust the Lord and walk the best way you can through Man, that. That is so true. A couple of things that I, I noted in, in just watching how you reacted and how our team did and things that I learned. One was don't write checks with your mouth that your feet can't back up. Because yeah. a lot of times we, you know, it's okay to just say, I don't know. And I remember yeah. there were times that you and I had to just stand in front of our people. I mean, in that occasion and others, we just had to say, you know what? I don't know. I don't know how that oh. can happen. The guy's never had it. Yeah. He's never even had a, a speeding ticket. You can't catch him yeah. on a background search, you know? No, um, that's right. Now yeah. I'll tell you. The and then second, out of that, trying to implement things too. Yes. Um, to As you move forward, when you have events like that, what do we do now moving forward? And everything we looked at, we're like, we can do all of those things, but it wouldn't have changed anything <laughs> yeah. for, for what happened. It is. Um, it, it just, he was not on a radar. Uh, yeah. for any of that. So, I mean, anyway. that, that guy was the Jesus in our judgment house. I mean, he was, what, yeah. what are you going to yeah. do? You know, well, here's the second yeah. thing. And this one I, I did, I literally learned by watching you in this process. Transparency is the currency of great leaders. I remember walking through this and um, watching that, that you never swept anything under a rug. Every time as the leader of the church, you stood in front of our people, you might say, I don't know, or you share yeah. just the truth. Hey, here's what, here's what we know happened. Here's what is happening mm -hmm. right now. We don't know what the future looks like, but I just remember yeah. watching at the time thinking that may be the most beneficial, most wise thing that happened throughout the whole thing was just being honest and transparent about everything that happened, about where everything stands. And I think it probably kept us out of a lot of lawsuits as well. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Just uh, in light of everything that's going on, right? You look and you think, man, they, if, if we had done things differently, this, you know, we could have been involved in some of that. But God yeah. just gave us wisdom to, 
to, to speak truth and to speak what we knew and, and being transparent and all of that. And, and, and to say, listen, I, we don't, we don't know what's going on, but this is what's going on. This is everything that we know. And, yeah. um, and just being involved in the investigation part of it and, uh, and helping with everything. So anyway, yeah, yeah it's just, uh, God gave us wisdom way beyond our years and knowing what we were supposed to be doing. And he really protected us. Yeah, no doubt. And this, yeah. this last thing here, before I go to this next question was also yeah. something I thought was really significant for us because you and I had been talking for months, I, may, I guess years, not months, years leading into this about how important it was that us, that we as leaders be people of integrity. So this, this mm -hmm. third thing I thought I'd mention today, as we talk about it is healthy leaders look more like an iceberg with deeper roots mm -hmm. that you can't yeah. see than an icicle that is beautiful, but it melts quickly. You know, yeah. and I just that's what I noticed that that you and I were doing. Now, and so we're like we're the most imperfect people and leaders mm -hmm. that I've ever known. But we really were working hard with things that we see, stuff we say, places that we go, um, yeah. to be people of integrity. And what I learned was because of the hard work up front before the crisis came, the Lord honored that in the crisis. So yeah, um, yeah, maybe that'll help along the way. All right, here's a, let me turn, let me, let me hit the tab button and go to this next question. Okay. So the past two years have taught us a lot. Um, you guys, what's interesting to me is that you're actually averaging more people and more budget than you were before the pandemic. Can you share any wisdom for pastors or leaders who are looking to take their next step in their journey with the Lord personally yeah. or professionally? Yeah, I mean, I think for us, we we had to redefine the wins in this. You know, when COVID hit us, and we were planning for Easter, right? It was March, and um, we were moving forward just like everybody else, and um, planning. We were already, we were meeting that Sunday night to start another service, to do a, a third uh, life group time, and so that we we were growing when COVID hit. Um, and then, uh, then we just like everybody else just went home, started doing things on video and, um, putting that stuff out. And, uh, and then we sat around, you know, on zoom meetings, you know, while we were at, at the house and, and had to redefine some wins for us, you know, church may look different for a little bit. What's going to be our win. Um, we just started, you know, calling all of our, uh, older folks and, Mm -hmm. um, trying to get services to them that, um, you know, that they couldn't see because we were in a rural setting. And so, you know, the internet and stuff wasn't available to some of them. And then our older folks really weren't into that. And so we were still sending out DVDs and trying to get them to just stay connected with service stuff. And what we realized is they weren't seeing it. And, um, and so we, um, we ended up going on TV. We, we shifted some money that was Wednesday night supper stuff. And we shifted it to a local network and uh, man, God's just blessed that. And, uh, and then of course everybody went on YouTube or Facebook or whatever. Right. And so yeah. sitting in our, our staff meetings, like what's the new win? We, you know, is it, it, it's total people, right? We're getting the gospel out to a lot bigger audience and total folks rather than, hey, the win has to be people on campus. How do we connect the off-campus people um, into ministry, into connecting them, you know, into our disciple-making process? And so redefining the win and, and looking at things a little bit uh, differently. And um, I think just through that, um, like I said before, we didn't have a we, – we still don't have a great location, but but through through some of those decisions we made early on, um, God, God honored it. 
it and blessed it. And uh, folks have found us because of some of those things. And, um, and uh, you know, we didn't, oh, there's just some things we made some hard decisions. One of them was the PPP money. Yeah, I know there's a lot of people that we just decided early on. You, you mentioned one of our things was our finances. We just decided there's one of the things God has convicted me. And I just told our finance team, I was like, listen, God's brought us this far. I think God's going to continue to, to do that. Let's just trust him in that. And so our personal thing was, we're not going to do it. Let's not take it. And, um, and I, I'm just telling you, Scott, God's honored that. And, uh, and, and our giving has gone kind of crazy. Um, we've been able to do things around here that we haven't been able to because the finance has been so good. And, yeah. um, and so some of those things, it doesn't matter what size church you are, some of those things, just making some wise decisions on that and just asking God to kind of lead through it. And, and I'm not criticizing anybody who took it. Not, there's a lot of people who did and felt like that's the direction God led them to. But for us, it seemed like God honored the decision that we made too and, and blessed us with that. And so, uh, so anyway, it's been, uh, it's been good. Um, our folks, we never, you know, Louisiana's rebellious too. I know people are watching from everywhere. Georgia people probably are, um, take, um, you know, state laws and stuff a little, you know, a little more serious, but you know, Louisiana is so close to Texas. Texas does what they want. Louisiana, we just kind of follow Texas's lead. And so, uh, <laughs> so you just don't tell people around here to wear a mask. That's kind of how it went around here. And, and so, um, so anyway, we just got back when we got back, we never stopped. Yeah. Once they said, you can go back to church. We went back to church. We didn't make masks a big deal. Um, now look, we, we, I buried more people with COVID than I've ever buried with any other thing, probably in, in the last little bit. Um, I had, I think 16 funerals, uh, folks in, in our, in our circle that died of COVID. One of those was my dad, um, last September. And so, mm -hmm. you know, we, we took COVID very seriously. I'm not saying we didn't, but, um, but just some of those things, we got back as quickly as we could, as safely as we could, but as quickly as we could. And I think that meant a lot yeah. um, to our people because folks were just tired of being isolated. And, and so getting back in, in the regular routine. Now, I'll tell you, there's some we let COVID kill some things, too. Mm. Um, we allowed we allowed ministry looks different around here. Um, and our giving is, is part of that. And you've been here since then. We don't pass plates anymore. Um, we, uh, we had given boxes. We, we ended up going almost, um, I don't know what percent, but, but a big percent of our budgets given on the app and given online. And, mm -hmm. um, and so we put out videos on how to give now and different stuff, communicating that. And, uh, man, God's just, he's, he's blessed it. And it's really kind of changed the face of ministry for us here. Yeah. Um, we let certain things die, um, and I won't get into that, but we let yeah. some things die that you, you and I talked about needed to die mm -hmm. and we blamed it on COVID. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, anyway, it worked out great. Yeah. Well, let's talk practical for a second. What are three right. crazy cool things that God is doing right now in you and at First Baptist Halton? Man, we, uh, we just started kind of giving away ministry. That was one of the things for us. We don't want to hold on to everything here. We don't think the staff uh, and, and me and the staff are, are need to be the inventors of all cool ministry or even the ones who implement it. And so we, we just started giving it away. I've been challenging folks to do it. One of the things we got a businessman around here, he owns a, an oil field company. Um, and, uh, he, he has to have safety meetings with his guys. And so, uh, he said, look, let's do it. Let's give them the gospel. I want to see our men know Jesus. And, 
And uh, so we call them quarterly eatings at his place. We had 160 guys at his uh, business uh, two months ago. We got another one coming up this month. Um, had 15 saved um, at that event. And so uh, he's just got a heart to see his guys hear Jesus and, uh, and change by the gospel. So that's really cool. Um, and another thing we started, I have a friend of mine uh, who owns uh, a, a, a Traco company. It's called yep. Specialty Traco here. He's got a, a desire to see um, the next generation of, of heavy equipment operators kind of raise up. He said it's not like it used to be. And so um, and so we, we, st- we started a ministry. He said, I want them to love Jesus and know him, but I want them to, you know, be able to, to add value to this industry. And, and so we started a six-week program. It's called Iron Man and uh, 16 weeks. And, um, and several of it's in class. Several of it's in a dirt pit. He's got bulldozer, track hoe, and everything. And so I got some of my guys that come in every night, and it's a Thursday night every week, 16 weeks, and share their testimony. So we started a, a heavy equipment operating ministry, um, and we're training guys to operate heavy equipment. There's 25 in the class. Some of them are transitioning out of like the Air Force and wanting to learn this. Some of them are young guys and it's just really cool. There's a barber in the class. He cuts hair and he wants to learn how to operate every equipment. And so, uh, so anyway, we're, we're just trying to hand ministry off. And uh, I don't know, we're probably the only one I know of doing heavy equipment operating um, ministry, but uh, Hey, we're in Halton, right? So we're trying to reach who God's got us around. And uh, so anyway, that's uh, those are some cool things that are going on right now. A lot yeah. of that is, is, you know, the, the ministry, um, we've got some localized ministry stuff in neighborhoods that we're doing mainly because of VBS during COVID, we couldn't do it on campus. And so we took it to neighborhoods. And so some of that's growing out of that. And, and, uh, we were just at the water park last night, carried two bus loads of neighborhood mm-hmm. kids to, to, to the water park and had a big baptism celebration, had two of them saved last night. And so, yeah. so you know, it's just trying to figure out how to do things differently. So that's, mm-hmm. uh, that's one of that's some of the stuff's going on. Yeah. It's just a great example. Marketplace ministry, finding the passions and interest of your people. And then how could that be a ministry? Yeah. How could you encourage or disciple or reach people through it? I love it. Now let me go off script for just yeah. a second, because I have one more okay. thought here, because, you know, something you mentioned to me just spurred a thought there's a lot of leaders who are going to be listening to this, um, either through this or, or through your, your TV show. And they, you know, they see Gavin Spinney and he's at a, a great church and things are going well and he's, and he's on TV and they and they may be thinking, man, how could I take my next step as a, as a next level leader? Or maybe they're looking to try to expand their platform or to get their name out there or expand gospel ministry through, if I'm going to do this, I want to do big gospel ministry, Right. One of my concerns, Gavin, is like I'm 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 studying all these guys in our life that keep falling, all these Christian mm-hmm. leaders, and it's almost like we don't mm-hmm. have any greats left, right? They just mm-hmm. one after one that just keep falling from those yeah. pedestals. Do you? Because you're man, you're in the middle of that, and at least to date, you have navigated that well. Do you have any cautions or wisdom for leaders, maybe where you are, and maybe those who are coming behind you? that are looking for big gospel impact or, Hey, how can I write a book or how can I develop my yeah. social media? Any wisdom or cautions there? Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I think probably the biggest thing is I'm, I don't ever remember wanting a platform, you know, it's just, mm. it's kind of never been my desire. 
I know, you know, for our TV show, it was something way back. I saw a guy do this and I thought, man, God, if you ever open the door, I, I'd like that. It's a passion of mine and a desire, you know, Jesus is my passion. I enjoy hunting. If I could put those two together. That would be cool. Um, but I never really pursued it. It, it, it was almost 15 years, you know, it just kind of sat and I thought, God, if you'd ever open the door, I, I guess just always letting God lead. I, I, I see some young people trying to get out in front of the Lord on, mm-hmm. on building a name, building a platform, doing, you know, whatever, just be patient and allow yeah. God to be the one who, who leads and opens those doors. Um, and just be willing, just be willing to say yes, whenever he does, you know, and, um, take that desire that you have and pray on it, you know, and, and spend some time. If, if this would have happened, some of those things that we're doing now, if I'd have done them 15 years ago, they'd been over, you know, yeah. and it, um, because I'd have been doing it in my own strength, my own power and, and really in my own selfish desire. Um, it, it was something God put in my heart. And, and as we just kind of prayed through it, it was, it was the perfect timing. Uh, God's timing is perfect. Sometimes we feel like it's slow, um, but it but it is perfect, and He has to get us in the right place before source before He opens some of those doors. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Hey, so what's uh, what's God doing lately? You got some? Uh, tell us about the TV show. Any any uh, major projects you have happening? Yeah, man, we uh, we started this four years ago, and um, there was uh, two guys local. One of them's in our church, you know, and Lynn Beatty, uh, just a good guy. And um, he started a show with four other guys several years ago, and uh, they got out of it. These two guys, they both love the Lord. And, and I just said, hey, you know, what about doing this? You know, this is what I've always kind of had in my heart to do and um, been praying about it. What if we did one? You gave me the last two minutes of every episode and mm-hmm. I shared the gospel. And, and I said, I can con- contact the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association, see if they'll help us with counseling. And so I did. And. And so they partnered with the way it was. And so we're four seasons in. We've had about 700 people um, have made decisions um, from that TV show or, or kind of offshoots of that TV show. And, um, and so it's on the Pursuit channel. You said the Sportsman's Channel a minute ago. It's the Pursuit channel uh, that we're on, which is Dish and Direct um, TV. And uh, it's on, it airs four times uh, a week. And, um, and so, uh, so they go to endthehunt.org is the last part of the show. And uh, they can talk to a live counselor, live chat and uh, about spiritual uh, questions they might have. Well, th- this year is different. So it shouldn't been the three of us, right? Me and mm-hmm. Lynn Beatty and Sid McCullough. Um, but a couple of years ago, we met a guy through hunting. He came up and hunted with Lynn and I, and we just started connecting. He came and spoke, shared his testimony. Uh, with us and uh, at, at one of our big buck banquets here and and um, and so um, so this year he's partnered with our show he he has done five shows in the past several years he's a fisherman not so much a hunter but um, he um, he's had five shows one of them was an outdoor show he and his boys did they canceled the hunting show he is now just with the way it was as far as hunting wise his yeah. name's Hank Parker yeah. Uh, Hank's a professional fisherman, won the Bassmaster Classic twice. Um, one of the only to do that. Uh, good guy, loves Jesus. And so he'll be on many of our episodes. And so we're really excited about that. It's opening up some big doors uh, for us just to be able to share the gospel. And so 
Um, just a unique way, right? We're trying to reach yeah. rednecks for Jesus who won't come to the doors of the church. So yeah, for sure. Yeah. And where can they find the way it was and how can they connect with you on social media? Yeah, we're on uh, Instagram and Facebook. You definitely can uh, check us out on that. Facebook is the uh, the way it was TV is the yeah. name of that. You can watch us on the Pursuit channel um, four times a week, uh, twice on Tuesday, um, 12 a.m., 6.30, and then Wednesday at 11 p.m., and then Friday at 4.30 p.m. All of those yeah. are central time, so you can yeah. check those out on that. Yeah, Awesome. Buddy, serving alongside you in Louisiana was one of the great joys of my life. And I am a better leader, a better husband, a better professional, a better dad because of our friendship and our shared experiences. So I do appreciate you very much. And friends, listen, let me share just a thought here and we'll close this thing out. One of my most helpful leadership principles that I learned serving alongside Given at First Houghton was this, lead your heart and don't follow your heart. Jeremiah 17, 9 says that our heart's wicked above all else. And honestly, the heart is an emotional and fickle friend that just can't be trusted. And, and I see a lot of leaders leading out of emotion. They're, they're following their heart. They're trying to break down doors that are open, and they're not going through doors that are clearly open. So whatever circumstance you find yourself in today, do what you know to be right and lead your heart in that direction. Don't follow it. And that, my friends, will help you become a leader worth believing in like my friend, Gavin Spinney. Gavin, thank you, buddy. Hey, you bet, Scott. Thank you, man. I appreciate you so much. You bet. Lana Mountain, John Graham, thanks for producing today's show. And we'll remind all of our listeners that we're only able to do this because you give generously to the cooperative program. So thank you for doing that. And I pray that today's discussion with Gavin Spinney will equip you to think often, invest intimately, and dream big as we make world-impacting disciple makers. Thanks for listening. We want to continue the conversation from today's broadcast in a learning community near you. These learning communities are designed to celebrate your biggest wins, resource your greatest need, and help you finish well. We also want to give you a free gift, the five discipleship shifts most churches need to make to produce world-impacting disciple makers. You can download this resource by going to ministryboom.com. This five-page PDF is a discipleship alignment checklist. The Georgia Baptist Mission Board is able to provide resources like this because of gifts from Georgia Baptists to the cooperative program. For more information on this broadcast and a customized discipleship plan for your church, visit gabaptist.org discipleship. Engage with us on your time through Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and all podcast platforms. Lastly, if you've benefited from this conversation today, please share this with a friend as we seek to help churches make world-impacting disciple-makers.